Welcome to a bonus episode of Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan here with you solo. Uh, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to have my interview with Pete Zamora, uh, the Lake Elsinore Storm pitching coach. It was a fantastic interview. Pete was so gracious to, uh, to give us his time. But let's go over that game that I was at. This is last Thursday. Uh, Mackenzie Gore pitched an absolute gem. Uh, six and two-thirds innings, two hits, one earned run. He only gave up the one home run with nine Ks. Uh, you know, Peter and Tom Seidler were there. Uh, Peter was there with his wife, and there was some family with him, and they were there for the whole game uh, watching Mackenzie just, dude, he just dominated. Um, and I got to the game and, you know, did the interview and took a bunch of pictures, and I, I just, it's amazing how polished he is as a as a pitcher how often how many of those pitches uh land for strikes they're the fastball the change of the slide of the curveball using all four of those pitches and they were just they were just phenomenal um you know there were nine strikeouts and, and if they weren't hitting all they had was weak contact and then one solid single and then you know two outs in the seventh inning uh, it was a doubleheader game so the seventh inning was t- typically you know the ninth inning of the game two outs uh, Helio Ramos uh, got worked it to a full count and you're going to hear here in a minute from uh, him talking to Katie Wu um, challenged him with a fastball and uh, he hit it out and that was it they pulled him with two outs in the ninth full count and um, if not he would have had a complete game uh, he was perfect through four. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal um, game for him. Probably his best start of the season. And uh, while we're on the subject of Mackenzie Gore, the shirts are going to be sold for um, the Lake Elsinore Booster Club that we're supporting. They're going to be sold for as long as he is in Lake Elsinore. So he, uh, his time there, folks, is limited. And um, I'm saying, I'm thinking he leaves sometime after the All Star break for Lake El- for for the Cali League, which is uh, the June 18th. So I think June June 18th, he is done pitching there. They're probably going to call him up soon after that. And per my agreement with Alex, the agent, uh, I am going to take off the McKenzie Gore uh, shirts off the campaign. So you guys can go to our website, or not websites, we don't have a website. You can go to our our Twitter handle, at Friars on the Farm, and you can see the Luis Patino. You scroll down on our mentions, and you'll see the uh, T-chip slash gore dominate. Uh, dot com. I believe that's what it is. Um, If not, I'll tweet it out at the end of this episode and get that, but uh, but. About you know, good solid two and a half weeks left of the Mackenzie Gore campaign, and I can't thank you guys enough for for buying the shirts and supporting Lickin or some of our booster club. Uh, you guys all know we talk about it here a lot on how often, how much they rely on the booster club, how little they get paid. You know, um, not everyone gets the big money like Mac did, and uh, you know, and they rely on that money for the booster club to uh, to uh, to feed the team on road trips. Um, you know, to just do the extra things that the the Booster Club does. So, um, you know, uh, thank you again. And please, if you get a chance, buy the shirts. We also have the Luis Patino, the Patino Fuego shirts um, for sale. That is on the that is on the profile page on Twitter for, for uh, Friars on the Farm. Um, that'll be sold as long as he's in, in Lake Elsinore. And that comes with a cool, you can also buy the cool shirt. Um, we also sell the coffee mugs that change color. Once you put hot coffee in or any hot liquid in the coffee cup, you'll see the logo light up, and uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, we have those for sale as well. 
Also, once again, all the money is going to the Lake Elsinore Booster Club. But let's move on. So Katie Wu from MILB wrote up a a write-up on Thursday's game, and it goes like this. After retiring the first two Giants in the seventh inning on four pitches, the Southpaw was an out away from a complete game. Then the game's number 75 prospect stepped to the plate. Gore worked Helio Ramos to a full count, just second three-ball count of the night, but the outfielder wasn't fooled by Gore's challenge fastball and barreled the payoff pitch over the left-field fence. I had him 1-2, he said. I had some big misses, and then it was 3-2. We are up by 7, through, though, so you're going to have to beat me. I threw my fastball in the middle of the zone, and he hit it hard. It was one of those things where, yeah, I could have put some spin on it and had a better result, but I'm not going to walk a guy when we're up 7-0. I had to make him beat me, and he did it. Uh, competing is fun. That's why I play the game. I love to compete, he explained. Once I get between the lines... All I see is that you have a different jersey on. Uh, it doesn't really mean any more to me. I want to get you out uh, on his on his start that day. Today was good. It was definitely one of my best starts of the year, if not my best. The, uh, the Padres' number two prospect hasn't allowed more than a run in eight of his nine total starts this season. I take it one day at a time, Gore said. There's always stuff I can do better. I'm not looking at the results. I'm looking at how I execute. I hit until I hit every spot in the game. There's always room to get better. So San Diego's number 19 prospect Jason Rosario went two for four with a triple, three RBIs, and a run scored. Uh, some of those pictures I posted on, um, on Instagram of him sliding in to third. And what they're also doing is they're doing the cane chop. So after he hit that triple, he rounded third and gets up and he does the wah! He does the cane chop. Um which was cool, which I didn't know until I saw the, uh, you know, until he hit the triple. And then Robert Bedorsky, he went three for three with three runs. Uh, the number 13 prospect, Tristan Ornelas, and number 15, Luis Caposano, and number 25, Estuí Ruiz, East Talent and RBI. Estuí Ruiz also, uh, when he had the RBI single, did the cane chop at first base. Um, so it's cool to see that they're doing the cane chop, uh, you know, even down in the minor leagues. And I thought I saw a picture on Twitter with... Uh, Someone uh, for the tin caps, and I can't remember who it was, uh, doing the cane chop in a photograph. So, uh, you know, on base. So um, the cane chop isn't just uh, something that Fernando Tatis started and does. It's going throughout our whole organization. I don't know which came first, the Tatis or the chop. But uh, it's cool to see. It's a great little thing that... um, our guys can do that uh, shows emotion, you know, like the getting the work done. I think it's like getting the work done, chop, like, yes, working it. Um, and it was a fantastic game. And uh, that's about it. You guys can check out this interview with uh, Pete Zamora. It's an incredible interview. Uh, really insightful. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. I really appreciate, uh, you know, the in-depth uh, that he went with, with some of the questions I asked him. And you guys really enjoy this here. Pisa Moore has been with the Padres since 2016, serving as pitching coach for the rookie-level team in Peoria. The last two years, he's been the pitching coach here in Lake Elsinore. Pete, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. So so let's start with you. You come from a baseball family. Your dad was a coach for Capistrano Valley for 41 years. Yeah, he was. Uh, I was born, and he was the he was the first baseball coach uh, ever at Capistrano Valley High School. Very successful Uh was lucky enough to, to win seven South Coast, you know, Southern California League titles, uh, CIF titles. Um, I was a bat boy ever since I was five or six, so I was pretty much raised in the dugout there. Nice. And uh, 
And you played also at Capistrano Valley. He was your coach as well, yeah? Yes, I uh, I played there. That was my dream as a little kid was to play for my dad there. Played four years there and then uh, moved on to UCLA. So you were drafted by the Pirates out of high school, but then went to UCLA. After getting uh, – what did you major in at UCLA? Uh, I was a history major, so I wasn't a big uh, mathematics guy, so I knew I didn't have to do too much math there. Um, I was into history, but pretty much there, it was baseball 101 there for me. I went there to, uh, I really wanted to go to the College World Series. I liked the recruiting class I was with, and uh, I had a ton of fun there. And the last, I think it was the last year you were there, you helped him get to the College World Series, yes, yeah? Yes, we, uh, we got there and went there in 97. Uh, we went two in barbecue there, but uh, a great experience, and like I said, it was a dream of mine. It was one of the first dreams before the Major Leagues was to play in the College World Series, so I got to do that. Well, and you just said something that caught me, two in barbecue, like you were in two games? Yeah, two in two outs, out, two. yeah. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. A little, uh, little inside lingo. That's great. So you had eight years in the minor. You were drafted by the Dodgers. Right. Um, eight years in the minor leagues. After your after your minor league career, you where did you go after that? Because you didn't come back to the Padres till. No, I. Uh, you know, I was going over just had some injuries there at the end and it was at that point where I decided it's time to move on I knew I was gonna be back in baseball uh, had a couple you know uh, big league friends professional friends that wanted to start an academy there and we started to get that started so I did that the academy part of it the uh, baseball performance academy in San Juan Capistrano and uh, it was a lot of fun but I always knew I wanted to get back into the game and I wanted to be on the west coast I wanted to be in spring trainings in Arizona so I was ready for someone you know the invite and finally I got the call from Eric Jung and uh, the rest is history. So are you still at the academy now in the offseason? Yeah, I'll teach some kids now, but uh, I try to get away. When it's the offseason, I try to get away as much as I can. I love to play golf. I love to be at the beach, uh, born and raised on the beach. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I get away, but yeah, I'm, I'm, baseball is all I know. Obviously, yeah. with my dad being a coach. My dad played professionally for the Padres in the, in the late 60s. So. Okay, I saw that he was in minor leagues. I didn't. They didn't have any baseball reference. They didn't right. have where he was drafted. <laughs> right. He played. He was undrafted free agent at a Chapman College and played for the Padres for for two years. So, like I said, it's all I know, and I knew I'd get back into the pro game. I was just looking for the right fit. Fantastic. So you've been with the Padres since the beginning of this influx of talent. Um, how valuable has it been following the players coming from the complex? Now you're here at High A and Lake Elsinore. People ask me all the time, like, "Hey, you had to do the AZL," and I said, "I wouldn't have had." You know, coming back into the game, that's the best way to, to cut your teeth, I think, in professional baseball as a coach is to to grind it out with all those young kids, to to learn the language of all the kids coming in from other countries. For me, that was the best experience I could ask for as a coach is to really start at the ground level and see what AJ and everyone's trying to build. I saw the beginnings of it, and it, it, it was awesome. It, like I said, it was the best thing that could happen for for my coaching career. Absolutely. So when uh, so when the pitchers get here in, in high A, what boxes that they what, what boxes do they have to check before moving on? Is it secondary command? Is it third pitch development? For me, the Cal League I played in the Cal League back in the day is you get more veteran hitters and more veteran pitchers. So you could have like. Baez and Patino down in the, in the Midwest League, they dominated and got a ton of swings and misses. So right. when they came to here in the Cal League, they weren't getting the swings and misses of pitches outside the zone. Right. So they're not getting the same chases. Now they have to be able to have the ability to take all that good stuff that they have and it has to be over the plate. Because you're going to get some kids that are 25 and 26 out of college that don't have the talent of Baez and Patino, right. but they have the smarts to stay off certain pitches. Yeah. They can grind you out here. So I call the Cal League a very grinder league because you're getting like these these hardcore veteran college guys and you're getting some prospects. Yeah. So you were a pitching coach for the Javelinas last year. 
All right, absolutely, yes. How cool was that? That was cool. Uh, my first year after 16, I was the assistant pitching coach. Last year, I got to be the pitching coach. And it's just, you're getting, your goal as a coach is to be part of the best talent. You always want to be around the best and see yeah. it and try to help it. And I got to see some of the best. And uh, it was a lot, it's a lot of fun. And we got a ring. So, I mean, yeah. it all worked out. Absolutely. I think Force Whitley pitched there. Yeah. And did uh, Munoz is there also last year, yeah? That was two years two ago. Two years ago, okay. I see, like, the Keston Heroes. And we, yeah. our, our lineup was stacked. And uh, you, now that I see my guys here, you're like, hey, you know, I can't wait for these guys to get that experience. Yeah. It's a really, really cool experience for those guys. Yeah, we watched uh, the last couple of years we've been watching every time they put on MLB. Yeah. And my wife and I are threatening to spend a couple, like a week, a long weekend at the, uh, at, for the Arizona Fall League. Right. It's great being married to a woman that is a baseball junkie like oh, me. You're a lucky man. Oh, she'll be here later on. Cool. Um, so, with so many Padre pitchers making it to the big leagues, Soon after they pass through here, you got to be proud of being a part of taking part of that. Got to be proud of that being a part of that process. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, you're you're around. Some, you know, AJ and uh, the the scouting guys brought in some really, really, really good, talented players, and it's good to be. You know, I kind of consider it like a horse trainer. It's like a caddy. Like I'm not telling them what to do. I'm trying to force them into the so they can find the answers for themselves and. When you see just a little bit of maturity each start, or you see something get a little bit better, it, it, it's a good feeling that you know you kind of help help them get into that into that space where you're you're getting the peers form of them. So I love being around the clubhouse. Like I said, I grew up in a dugout. Now I get to grow up in a. And these guys keep me young in here, and they keep me spry. And, and uh, it's 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 really been an awesome experience. Has any of the musical uh, influences uh, rubbed off on you? Or are you on them? You know, like, you know, you got Mac with his with, with, with his country, yeah. and you got Patino with his uh, merengue and all that kind of stuff, and they're all mixing in, and they all know that the pitcher gets his his music, and it's a constant battle, but it's a lot of fun, and yeah, I'm learning a lot about rap, I'm learning about new age pop, I'm learning, and uh, they let me have the, the, the box every once in a while, so I'm a big music guy, and they kind of like my music, so it, it goes well. Uh, it's good, because I work for a college, and uh, I'll pick the music, and they're like, what's this, I'm like, that's the who, yeah, exactly. or like, that's Jimi Hendrix, exactly. like, who's that, it's Same the Beatles, uh, um, well, speaking of which, we're listening to country right now, it's Max Day to Pitch, yes. Is did they play the country music for him? It's going on in there right now, so okay. he, gets, he gets dialed in. And out here as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah, oh, I don't know if this is for Mac, but inside the, uh. the 12th house, that's <laughs> So where does Mac need to improve? Uh, improve, it just, he's such a competitor, and he loves to, like, every time, he, the guy would punch out 11 and, and Rancho, ah, oh, this could have been better. And that's not him just giving you that cheesy, like, Say. He, he, he really expects to go out there and completely dominate every aspect. So every time, like last outing, he didn't like his fastball command. Well, he went five innings, he, you know, he punched out six, didn't give up any runs. But he has the, the right mindset of, yeah, it worked here right now. I got away with it, but it wasn't as what I, all the work I did coming up to that start, yeah. it didn't work in the game. And yeah. that needs to improve. So more of it's start to start as in, okay, this season he has to get better at this. And the number one thing is his routine. He dominates and he's healthy. He feels great. He's smiling now. I had him in 17 where he was just the quiet kid from yeah. North Carolina. He's yeah. still the quiet, determined kid in there, yeah. but there's a glow about him now. And yeah. I don't think it's because of the success. It's because he's, he's healthy now. He yeah. gets to go out and pitch every day and no one's bothering him about his finger and no one's asking him any questions. He gets the ball every sixth day and he's, he's having a we, uh, we saw him at FanFest this year, and, and me and my co-host were like, we had, no one said anything. We're like, oh, we got questions on him. How's the finger? And yeah. he's like, meh. 
Yeah, I ain't got pictures. Yeah. Um, and then also we noticed a change in him in spring training with some of the other writers. Like, wow, he, that's the most Mac has ever said to me. Right. And I talked to him four times. Exactly. Um, that's great. And that's great for him as a top prospect to, you know, he's going to have to be talking to the media. They're going to be asking him those questions and, you know, let, let the minor leagues, let us bloggers and podcasters be his proving ground on how to talk to the media, right. what to say, when to say it. You know, it's funny you say um, he, he's hard on himself. When I asked him about his last start, he's like, well, that's three walks too many. And I talked about like the sixth start that he had, you right. know, to begin the season. Um, he has high expectations. Man. I mean, that's... That's great to have, and with that work ethic, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, So right behind him, not too far, is Luis Patino. He struggled with command, and Coach Tarasco said that you had to make some adjustments. What what did you need to do there? For me, like I said, the charisma and, and the energy of that kid just warms up that clubhouse. He came in and had a ton of success in Fort Wayne, and I brought up Baez. Baez had a ton of success when he got here. He was just trying to throw the ball with electricity and throw it all over the place, and he wasn't getting the swings. And what happens when he wasn't getting the swings is he was getting some walks, and then he was kind of panicking a little bit. Kind of like, I'm a young kid, what do I do? We call it the baby rattlesnake. Okay. So baby rattlesnake, when when a baby rattlesnake hits you, he doesn't know how much power he has. He just keeps trying to hit you. Yeah. We've learned to control it in the zone. We've told him that you have to be a complete pitcher. And he's really, you know, he's stubborn. When you're a competitor and you've done as well as him, I can understand why you're a little stubborn. Yeah. But he's bought in. We've had some conversations. And, hey, you need, we want the total package. When we deliver you to Andy Green one day, we want you to be totally ready, totally cooked perfectly right. in the oven. So when we give him to you, there's no panic. And he's learned not to panic. He's comfortable now. And now he's starting to make pitches. When he's behind in the count, two and one, it's not 100 miles an hour and hope they swing at it. Now it's, I can pop a slider in there. I can pull a change up on you. He's pitching now. So early on, he was throwing. And flat out now, the last three have been dominant. Because he's pitching. Yeah. He's not just out there, okay, I got to chuck my fastball. Yeah. 50 times, you know what I mean? So I've seen the transition, and I hope each one gets... Well, you know, and that's a great thing about... You know, we did see that last year in Fort Wayne, just dominating. Everyone dominates. Baez, Patino, uh, Weathers doing it this year. You know, Mac did it a little bit before the blister got in the way. And then the fan base is like, oh, my God, Baez is going to be a number two starter. You know, right. we get all excited. Pump the brakes. And, we, and we're learning to yeah. pump the brakes be, simply because. You got to come to the Cali. Yeah, you got to get to the Cali. You got to get to Amarillo. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not easier there. It won't be getting any easier because it's becoming a, a hitter's park. Right. So you got to eliminate walks. You have to be able to pitch. Yeah. Like, these are all the little things that you have to tie into the electricity of the yeah. arm. So, yeah. Well, and we saw a little bit of that uh, with Nick Margabichus. Exactly. We before the uh, season started, we had him on the podcast and talked to him. We call it the podcast mojo, where like he went from that last start in, in Corpus Christi straight to the big leagues. And we're like, right. yeah, it's because he came on the podcast and we gave him the mojo. <laughs> good but bet. another guy who doesn't throw hard can mix it up and right. is a command. Well, Sid is one of my. I call him Sid. Sid. Well, when he first came to me, I couldn't. I couldn't announce his name. <laughs> no one so I said, you know, who Sid Vicious is, and he goes, no. I go, I want you to go home and Google Sid Vicious because. You know, obviously the bass player for the sex Oh, yeah. So we oh, came yeah. back, you know, typical Mark Gaffish. He gave me a full report. Uh, this is who he is. And I'm like, great. So I call him Sid. He is as, that's how you pitch. He's aggressive in the zone. He doesn't have the max stuff. He doesn't have the chewy stuff. He knows that. 
So he can't be outside of the zone and then have to come back into the zone. Yeah. He has to constantly. He completely understands what he is as a pitcher, and he never leaves who he is. Now, he's going to have his starts where he gets hit around because the stuff is just stuff. But his weapon is the ability to throw the ball over a plate, and he never loses himself, and he never panics. So that's what makes him really good. So you want a little bit of that thrown into Chewy. You want a little bit of that thrown yeah. into to Mac. That that thought process is the way you want to do it. Excellent. So, um, thanks. That's a really good answer. Uh, do you guys use any rap soda or any track man here? Yes, we, we do. We use it in all of our bullpens down okay. here. Uh, we get dialed into it. A lot of these guys, for me, is when I say something, I don't want to have to say something every time. They can look at that sometimes and say, look, you made a little adjustment here. You got the number you want. And now look what's happening down there. So it's giving them clarity. I mean, they don't want to listen to Zamo all the time, right? right. right? Like, <laughs> I can say it looks good, and I go, look, this is telling us exactly what we want. These are the numbers. That we're so we do use it a lot here. The kids like it. You know, it's funny, particularly with youth, you could tell them as like, yeah. I was here, This is I've been where you are, but you're still not going to listen right. to me. I try to stay away from, hey, get here, or do what <laughs> yeah. I did. I just say, hey, this is what I see. I try yeah. to give them my eyes. Yeah. Eventually... They'll look at you and go, what do you see? And you just tell them what you see. Um, we're getting, okay, we're getting to the point in the season where guys are going to start moving. Uh, have you been following anyone in Fort Wayne? Uh, I, I follow them all. I read every report every day. Okay, so, so you, I, guys, you guys, you I get exactly every... what's going on. Yeah, I get every report and every box score, and I know what all the boys are doing down here. So. so then you know that's been the podcast mojo that's got Gabe... And oh, Joey Cantillo, yeah. you know, they came on the podcast in the offseason. They're just tearing it up in the Let's Midwest League. <laughs> cool. okay, so as a, as a part of your development, where do you look for knowledge and information to improve as a coach? I, I read, I watch, I look, I, I look at other guys from other squads, what they're doing. I'm always very curious. So I think when you think you've perfected your craft, you're probably done. So I'm very open to everything, and I don't like everything. Like, you know, you can get on Twitter, you can go on YouTube and find someone teaching something new. And uh, like I said, being a baseball guy, you dive into it and see what you think about it and take little parts of it. But uh, I learned a lot from the kids, man. They'll show me. They'll teach me, right? They'll show me something, and I'm like, wow, I'm going to use that next time. Or, Zamo, this is what I did, and it really worked. And maybe that's not something I told them. Maybe they came up with it. I'm like, that's a great, you know. So I'm constantly learning. I love it. That's, you know, I have never woke up since I had this job where I said, I, oh, God, i got to go to work today. You know what I mean? So it, it's, I really enjoy it all. That, that flexibility yeah. and open-mindedness, even as a coach, is Absolutely. huge. As more we want that with the players, as a coach, it's it's yeah. it's excellent. Um, okay, a little lightning round. Not lightning round, but a quick, uh, little, quick sure. little questions. So what's the most irrelevant thing you told a pitcher when visiting the mound? I once went out and told <laughs> Caleb Bosley, I said, I said, I think I said there was something as if there's some pretty girls here in the stands tonight and they're falling asleep because of your pace of play right now. So I'm going to ask you to, and Boz is one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I said, I'm going to ask you to please pick up the pace because we can't have them falling asleep. <laughs> and then I think I just walked off the mound. <laughs> oh, that is so good. Um, do you have one more? That's just so good. Do you have one more? Uh, we can move on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Come up with something. You ever have a coaching nightmare? Yes. I, uh, I think it was, I want to say in the AZL, I phoned in. I couldn't see the bullpen. I phoned in the guy I wanted. Um, I put my head down in the middle of the inning. The guy came out to pitch, and uh, as he got there, it was the wrong guy. Uh, <laughs> 
those things happen. Uh, fortunately, the guy that went out there pitched his butt off, and everything worked out well. But you want to you want to maybe look down there and make sure that you know the transition from language or whatever on the phone down to the bullpen could sometimes get misconstrued. So yeah, that's that's kind of a weird feeling when the wrong guy comes in. Okay, we talked about it a little bit here before uh, with uh, with the Sid Vicious, and my question is: Do you ever get a chance to choose the music in the clubhouse? But have you? What music have you played for the for the for the players that they've kind of picked up on? Um, I'm a big uh, I'm a big San Diego uh, Long Beach reggae guy. So okay. I'm a Revolution, and I'm into uh, slightly stupid. And, okay. Uh, a lot of those those wet reggae bands from down there, and uh, these guys kind of like the vibe because it's got a little rap to it too. Yeah. So I kind of play that for them, and there's a couple beats that they ask for. But the big ones are, for me, I'm an old country guy, so okay. I'm playing the Waylon Jennings, I'm playing Johnny nice. Cash, and nice. uh, all the all the guys in there love the the old country that maybe they don't know about. We asked Mac that over the summer, like, so now that we know you like country, who do you like, J- Wailing or Johnny Cash? And he's like. Cash, Cash. Like, yes. Cash is kind of our pitching. Uh, he's our pitching god. So Cash's personality is kind of how we want our pitchers to act, and kind of that like no nonsense. I'm not scared of anything. Kind of. When we saw some of that at Petco, uh, we uh, we caught we caught um, Chris's last start, yes. where he changes music from the lightning strike to a, to a Johnny Cash tune. It's like it's like that's a little darker, yeah, a little more gritty, absolutely, uh, a little more sheriff like, yeah, yeah right. Absolutely. Oh, I really appreciate it, Pete. Thanks for talking to me. You got it.